Today, I'm joining you with a conversation with Dr. Lisa Weeks, a naturopathic doctor. And we are talking about productivity and brain function, but not productivity in a must-keep-busy, constantly-producing standpoint. I wanted to talk about this topic because I think a lot of us start to feel like our brains change, particularly after having children. I call it mom brain. Dr. Lisa Weeks calls it super brain. However you say it, there is no question that our brains work differently when we become parents. Some of these changes are good, as Lisa explains in this episode, and they're there to keep our kids alive, really. But some can pose challenges, particularly in our society today. We have a lot of information flying at us and a lot on the go. So in this episode, we are going to talk about ways that you can better understand maybe how your brain is functioning and work with your brain to increase productivity in the things that you want to be doing. We share what happens in the brain when you become a parent, how you can help declutter your brain, how to reduce stress and boost productivity, our favorite tools to stay organized, and we wrap it all together with how stress and toxins are linked. Dr. Lisa Weeks has over 14 years of experience working with moms who struggle with burnout and fatigue, anxiety, insomnia, overwhelm, IBS, fertility challenges, and hormonal imbalances. Her goal is to empower and educate patients to make simple yet effective changes to boost energy, mood, and vitality so that they are able to take back control of their health and life. Dr. Lisa has a science background, which you know I love, and has worked at various research labs across North America, studying cancer at the BC Cancer Institute, cystic fibrosis at SickKids Hospital, and atherosclerosis at Notre Dame University. These experiences have given her the foundation to unite scientific research with naturopathic therapies and philosophy. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome to the Missing Pillar of Health podcast, the show that tackles the often misunderstood and underestimated topics related to toxins and their impact on our health and well-being. I'm your host, environmental engineer, mom of two, and founder of Green at Home, Emma Roman. My mission is to help you reduce toxins in your life without fear, judgment, or shame, so you can be more informed and empowered to take action on issues that matter to your health. The research is clear that toxic chemicals found in the products we use, food we eat, water we drink, and air we breathe are contributing to the rise of chronic illness, allergies, infertility, autoimmune disease, and more. The good news is you can reduce your exposure without having to drastically change your lifestyle, and I'm here to show you how. As Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. I believe addressing toxins is a critical step towards creating healthier and happier families, communities, and ultimately a better planet. And that starts right here, right now. Let's dive into today's show. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Emma. We get to chat again. I always love picking your brains. Now you can pick mine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I have had the pleasure of being on Lisa's podcast, The Perimenopausal Mamas, twice now. And I'm looking forward to bringing her on here. So before we dive into 
the topic of decluttering your brain and productivity. Can you share a little bit about who you are and why you do what you do? Sure. Yeah, definitely. So I'm a mom. So I went through the mom burnout and mom brain about five years ago now. My son will be turning five soon. And I've been a naturopathic doctor for the past 14 years. So my practice, you know, before having kids, I never quite understood what it was like to be a parent, but I work with a lot of people with hormonal issues and fertility, digestive issues and skin rashes. But after having my son, I went through postpartum anxiety, unfortunately, and burnout. I'd never been so exhausted in my whole life and felt like I was losing my mind, which I think a lot of moms go through. You know, I was trying to work at the same time and and see patients, which I love doing, but it led me to want to focus on supporting moms who are suffering from burnout and brain fog, who want to make healthy changes for their kids, because I went through that and had to kind of restructure my life and create systems and tools to help me get through that time. So my my practice is focused on working with moms and kids, but I also created with my friend, Tony, we created the Perimenopausal Mamas podcast. So we were almost, we're actually at our hundredth episode right now. So that's another forum to educate and empower women and moms to take back control of their hormonal health, their vitality, their digestion, their skin, their energy, and more. And then I also became a facilitator for the Wild Collective Toronto, which is a women's health community initiative where it brings women together because we know change really happens in groups, right? We need to have the support of like-minded women to help us be accountable and change habits. So I have the practice the podcast and the Wild Collective Toronto. And I I love being guests on podcasts as well and speaking. Wow, that's amazing. You've got a lot of things on the go, but it sounds like you're very focused on kind of helping women and mothers go through the transition you went through maybe with a little bit more ease. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I know you always need that outside view, right? Like I had to see my naturopath, my therapist, you know, but I waited a little longer than I should have. And I don't want other people to go through that. And I think what you described is fairly common, whether people have, you know, a diagnosis of postpartum depression or anxiety or just feeling maybe not quite themselves. And I know I went through various stages of it with both of my kids. I felt very different after having each child. But the one thing that was constant, and my kids are almost 10 and just turned seven now, but I still blame a lot of things on mom brain. Is that a thing though, when it comes to feeling not as maybe together or organized as you may be used to. It is definitely. I like to call it super brain though, because mom brain has kind of these bad connotations because our brain actually does get rewired. So with the hormones that we're exposed to in pregnancy, like estrogen and progesterone, and then in labor and delivery and breastfeeding, like oxytocin, prolactin, dopamine changes, this actually changes how our genes express themselves in our brain and how our neurons connect and communicate with each other. So our brain's rewiring to kind of clip those connections that aren't really 
really a necessity to keep our baby alive, right? Like we might not remember that person's name or where we put the car keys, but our mind is now honed in on reading the cues from our baby, their visual, their facial cues, their sounds, their cries, their smells even, because our ultimate goal is to have a relationship with this person we never met and to keep them alive, right? So we're really focused on their survival and all those things that aren't that important in the moment kind of fall off to the side. And I'm sure you have some stories you could share, but I can think of one specific big, big issue that happened because I was having mom brain. When Stuart was just under a year old, I was taking him to preschool or daycare the next street over and my husband left at the same time to go to work. So I said, oh, can you lock the door and, you know, I'll come back and let myself in. So he left and I left and I dropped Stuart off and I came back home and put my hand in my pocket to get my keys and I didn't have them. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have my keys. My husband locked the door, which I asked him to. I thought I had my keys. I don't have my phone. I don't have any money. What am I going to do? So I went back to the daycare provider and asked to borrow some money so I could hop on the subway, go to my husband's work, which I'd never been to before. I was still in my like workout clothes, no makeup. I'd never met his coworkers. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to be really awkward. But I did it and I got the keys and came home and kind of laugh about it now. But it's kind of scary, right? What we can do when, when we have kids and when we're going through all these changes. Definitely. I... I will admit this now because I don't do it anymore. So I'm not at the risk of my house getting broken into. But I used to leave the keys in the door all the time. Like in our old house, we would go out the back door and I don't know, with car seats and just various things. I would come home and same thing, kind of go in my pocket to unlock the door. And then there would my keys would be in the in the lock just where I left them. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that story a lot too, right? At least you're not locked out of the house, but yeah, you're worried about other people coming in potentially. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and I still catch myself, right? Like when I record my podcast, I listened to one of the episodes and I heard myself call the co-host Tony. I called her Stuart. It was like, I just called you. I didn't even notice until I listened to the recording. <laughs> yes. I thought that I would be safe from because I had friends who would call their same gender children each other's names. And I was like, oh, I have a boy and a girl. So that that solves that. No, it doesn't solve that. <laughs> I call them by each other's names regardless. <laughs> At so, least we can laugh about it, right? So yes. yeah, they are, there's, a, there's a physiological reason why this is happening. So that is really fascinating. Does the brain, like how long does it take for the brain to kind of rewire itself to pay more attention to other things and not just... Yeah, I think it's a process, right? Like, I think it's always going to be different, but we learn how to circumvent these, these things that can happen with our brain being different, right? Whether it's like making lists or we'll get into some of these things. But, you know, as the hormones change after lactation, I'm sure things, you know, go back a little bit to normal, but we're still constantly caring for our kid. And this is a fairly new new field of research, right? Because it's hard to study the brain in pregnancy and labor and delivery and postpartum because we're human. Right. We can't go in and cut it up like we can, unfortunately, rats or when they're doing studies, which they normally do it on rats. But they do know now there's an area deep in the hypothalamus, medial optic 
area, medial preoptic area, sorry. And this is a part of the brain that has like a maternal circuit to the reward areas of our brain. So it allows us to kind of link cues from our baby to feeling pleasure and reward. So that's what we seek. Those are the behaviors we kind of seek. But it's a hard area to measure because it's too small for MRIs and it's too small, like you can't read EEGs because it's too deep in the brain too. But I think we're going to learn more and more about the brain. They're trying to map what different hormones, what effects they have on different parts of the brain. But I think any mom could tell you it's real and it still lingers, right? It's not as bad as it used to be, but there's so many factors that contribute to mom brain kind of lingering, right? Outside of those genetic expressions and neuronal changes, like not sleeping, maybe not nourishing yourself the way that you need to, you know, if the thyroid's under functioning, you're going to have brain fog. There's so many reasons that we want to optimize to make sure our brain is as healthy as it can be. And I, this might be sexist, but I hear the conversation a lot with my mom friends and that their male partners have a much harder time multitasking and kind of planning ahead and thinking of things that their kids need. So I am generalizing. I am not saying that all male partners are not capable of doing this. And I'm not saying that mine doesn't do it sometimes, but it is a trend that I thought I would raise and ask. Is there kind of a biological thing going on there as well? There is, right? Because really the mom, the maternal person, if you will, and it could, you know, there's different forms of moms. They've even found adoptive moms by being exposed to their cries. Their brain can change and their hormones can change to facilitate the bonding and some of the changes we talked about before. But we know that moms are the primary person responsible for their survival, right? Whether it's feeding through breast or chest feeding or bottle feeding, whether it's, you know, stereotypically you're with them a lot more. So our brain, it typically has less capacity for storage and memory, but higher capacity for processing a lot of things at a time, right? Because so many things are coming at you when you have a kid. And this can be good, but this can be detrimental in the world we live in because we're already multitasking and we're making decisions and we're getting notifications on our phones. And so we get decision fatigue too, right? So that just adds fuel to the fire. But I think, yeah, males still, I think, are able to kind of focus better on one thing at a time, more stereotypically again, too. And they might have still better that storage capabilities as well. So when it comes to all of these things that are kind of coming at our brain, which is already being rewired a little bit, it can lead to, and I like the term that you used when we were kind of prepping for this episode, is it becomes cluttered. And so what can we do to help other than shutting off all forms of external inputs? What can we do to declutter our brain, so to speak? And what does that look like? Yeah, there's. I saw a really good meme. It was like, I have too many tabs in my brain open, right? So we definitely want to close the tabs on our computers and turn off the notifications. I'm guilty of that as well, right? Because we know multitasking significantly reduces our productivity. This has been studied. Like there's lots of uh, studies showing that it reduces your productivity. You know, you could lose up to two hours per day in productivity if you're multitasking. So we really want to try to focus on one thing at a time called unitasking. That's really hard when you have kids, right? So it's setting up systems to make that possible. So first being easy on yourself, there's going to be a lot coming at you as a mom, right? And looking at what can you delegate? What can your kids do? What can they take responsibility for? What can your partner do? 
take responsibility for? Who can you hire to do cleaning or laundry or whatever that is? And then really having automation. So, you know, if you're at the dentist for your child's checkup, schedule the next one and put it in your calendar right there so you don't have to rely on your brain. You know, relying on lists is really important too. And some people, lists can be overwhelming because everything's grouped in the same list, right? Your to-do list for your kids, for yourself, for your work, for the house. So you can use what's called the bullet journal. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, Emma, but I don't use it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, I could use it even better. I use it very loosely, but you basically have a blank journal and you have an index and you number the bottom of the pages. It's really easy. And then there's a page that corresponds to kids' appointments and there's a page that corresponds to recipes or meal ideas and a page that corresponds to work. And then every day you kind of have a daily page too where you jot down what you want to focus on and then you can add different pieces to those special categories so they're not all grouped together. And there's ways and push off a task until another day or make sure it's a priority and gets done that day. So some people like to do it on pen and paper, right? But really organizing all these tabs and then closing them down because, you know, they're saved somewhere. And I'm not a big tech person, but people like to use Trello, which I guess is another way to organize lists online. And you can have them by categories and even check them off as you do them and they kind of disappear, I think. So I use Asana. Okay. Oh, great. Yeah. So how's that for you? Yeah, I am a list person. Like, you know, those of you who have been listening to me for a while, I may die by my spreadsheets and and lists. So Asana and Trello are fairly similar. I find Trello works well for more visual, artistic kind of people. It just has a more sticky note kind of feel to it. And Asana is more lists and structured. Asana, you can do the sticky note thing too, but I know people prefer Trello who are more on the artistic side of things in my experience. Okay, good to know. I'll check that out. Because yeah, I looked at Trello and I was like, this seems a little bit weird to me because I wanted to just have straight lists. But yeah, I'll check out Asana. Thanks for that. OneNote is also a good one. It's on like Microsoft, but I like it because it's easy between my computer and phone. So I use that to keep some things organized too. I have like very different I have a notebook, a sauna, and OneNote for various things. I think it's just important to find what works for you. But what definitely works until it doesn't is that to-do list in your mind, right? Like we've all been there where we're trying to fall asleep and we're like, okay, tomorrow I have to do this and this and this and this. And I think just getting it down on something outside of your brain is one of the kind of easiest ways to help free that up. I agree. Yeah, unload it for sure. And then training our brains, right? To focus on one thing at a time can be so hard. And it's not like you have to meditate for 30 minutes a day or do yoga every day, but it's like when you're eating your breakfast or when you're having your tea or coffee, just being mindful of what does it smell like, taste like, what does it feel like in your mouth or as it goes, as you swallow it. So incorporating these practices with things you're already doing. You know, what is it like when you're brushing your teeth or is that a time when you take a few deep breaths and check in with yourself or even when you're washing your hands, right? You have to do it for 20 seconds. So use that as a time to do like a body scan and a breath scan. So the more we can train our brains to focus on one thing, the less cluttered our mind is going to be. Those those thoughts that aren't serving us or needed in those moments are just going to fall off. And hopefully if they're important, you've written them down. So you're not trying to cling on to them, which, you know, as you mentioned, 
attention you're thinking about at night and that'll keep you awake. So you're like, I just got to remember this. I just got to remember this. Well, write it down and unload it that way. But I think we are in a culture of jumping from one thing to another. And it's really, our brains aren't wired to do that. That means there's some threats coming, right? And we can start to release cortisol, our stress hormone. We can start to breathe shallowly. We're hunched over. It makes us feel tired. We can't think clearly. We're supposed to focus on one thing at a time. And then looking at being a mom, when you're feeding them, when you're looking after them, throw on, maybe you're gone back to work. Maybe you're trying to juggle the household. Like it's too many things for one person to handle. So we want to outsource and get help wherever possible. And, you know, you talked about improving productivity. And I think this is where we get so hung up on this idea of productivity equals busy. And we constantly have to be productive and having some sort of output of results. And I think this is important, but I think if we can kind of restructure it for the purpose of this conversation, and it's more being able to achieve your life goals, as I see it, you know, there's productivity with work and and different things. But I think from, from the context of this conversation, I think it's more about really being able to go through your days and, and being able to have hobbies that you enjoy and taking care of your children and having your house be in a state that makes you happy, right? Like there's general life productivity that I don't think we think about in that way necessarily because we're constantly thinking of like making money as being productive. Definitely. No, I agree. So before having Stuart, I was like a type A personality. I thought I had to wake up every day, push as hard as I could, whether it was with my work, with my workouts. I had to have the house clean and like a really nice meal prepared if people came over. And I knew that wasn't sustainable when after I had Stuart, like being productive after having him was having a shower, doing a few hours of work, resting, because I knew if I didn't, I was going to be way more burnt out the next day. So I think after becoming a parent, that that idea of success or productivity really changes. I think we want to start living in the moment, maximizing our happiness and how we're feeling, making things easier, right? I still get so much work done, but I have way less time. So I'm more efficient and I'm not a perfectionist. I have to be like, you know, that's good enough, a good enough mantra, right? The house isn't super clean. That's okay. People can still come over. Maybe I made a mistake in the podcast. That's okay too. I'm still doing it. So I think that really needs to be a shift for a lot of people. And it it was, I struggled with it. I fought against it, but that led to my, it contributed to my anxiety and led to my burnout. And I knew I couldn't keep that pace up. So how can we support our brains and stress systems and improve productivity so that we can do what we want to do? Because I know, you know, for me, I have goals and wants and needs in different pockets of my life and it can feel overwhelming, but at the same time, you know, I do need to make my kids lunch. I do need to, I want to have a tidier house than I do. So I'm trying to work on making those systems better. You know, working out for a lot of people listening, it's prioritizing detoxing their homes. There's all these different kind of pockets and it's not just about doing the, you know, bare minimum. There are a lot of us that want to do a lot more. So how can we, how can we support being able to fit that in without contributing to burnout. 
You know, there's so many things, right? We're juggling all the balls in the air. And I heard a really good quote from Oprah. We can have it all, but not all at once, right? So we can't put 100% into every aspect of our life. And the first step is to make sure we're filling our cup up first, right? We can't give from an empty cup. I know we hear that all the time. But do we actually listen to that, hear it, and take it in, right? Are you getting your sleep? If you're not, why not? Is there a way to navigate that or get it a little bit better quality, maybe a little bit more time? I know as a mom, that's really hard. Maybe you need to see someone to support with your sleep. It's making sure you're getting the right nutrition. You know, these could be all episodes in themselves, but balancing your blood sugar levels, not skipping meals. If that doesn't, you know, some people do a bit of intermittent fasting, but for women, that can be hard on your adrenals and your and your stress hormones. So doing what's right for your body and filling yourself up with healthy protein and fat and vegetables. So you're not going to get a sugar, like a blood sugar crash, which then you're going to go into a state of stress and kind of panic as well. You want to be sure you're connecting and doing something you love, right? The worst thing we can do for productivity is putting our energy into something we don't want to do. So if you like cleaning the house, great, clean the house, right? But if you don't get that cleaner, if you like doing, you know, social media posts for your business, great. But if you don't hire someone to do that, so really hone in on where you want to spend your time and your energy, recognizing you can't do it all right now, but kind of prioritizing and saying, where do I need to focus it? And then really devoting time and energy and filling yourself up to be able to, to put that energy into that area you want it to go. And you touched on some of the kind of support systems and, and we've talked about various elements of sleep and nutrition and, and different topics on the podcast before. When it comes to brain health and productivity, I think stress is probably the common concern that people have when they're trying to stay organized and on task and achieving what they want to achieve. And maybe some anxiety as well. I've talked about anxiety on the podcast too, from a personal perspective. What can we do to support maybe those specific hurdles or roadblocks? Because I think they can derail a lot of progress that we want to make in our other kind of healthy habits and routines. Definitely. So there's so many great strategies, right? So we know stress can serve us if it's in a use stress state where it's like motivating us, it's helping us to get stuff done. But if stress levels are too high, it can paralyze us. And then we feel, you know, tightness in the chest. We can't think clearly. We're feeling overwhelmed. So we need a little bit of stress to get things done. But yeah, when those stress hormones become out of balance is when we get into issues. So I do like to bring it back to the breath. And they've actually studied diaphragmatic breathing to help help lower stress hormones like cortisol, helps to lower heart rate and lower your body temperature. And even people rate kind of these mood questionnaires more favorably, like less anxiety, less depression. When they practice diaphragmatic breathing, this was a study done through the University of California, Irving, and they had 40 participants, half practice diaphragmatic breathing over eight weeks. There was 20 sessions of diaphragmatic breathing. I think it was about 30 minutes a session. And they measured stress hormone levels and they were lower after practicing every other day for 30 minutes. Um, they were significantly lower. So a lot of times we forget how to breathe properly. So we want to have a nice slow inhale breathing into our belly and having the longer exhalation has been shown to really reduce stress, get us into that parasympathetic nervous system. So that can be a great hack. I really like people too to activate their vagus nerve. So this has been kind of a hot topic lately too, where the vagus 
vagus nerve is the largest nerve. It's like the gatekeeper of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest phase of the nervous system. You know, the sympathetic is the opposite phase of the nervous system where it's our fight, flight, or freeze. So when we see a threat, our body uses its energy and systems to run away and hopefully survive. But we want to be for for productivity, we want to be in that parasympathetic nervous system, you know, some of the time, maybe a little bit in the sympathetic, but not too much to get us motivated. And a lot of times we're in that cortisol sympathetic dominant state where we're going to have a hard time focusing. So the vagus nerve passes behind the throat and it passes behind the lungs. So even if you practice humming while you're working, that stretches the vagus nerve and it actually helps to activate that parasympathetic nervous system. So hum while you're working. Maybe your partner's going to get really annoyed. I don't know. Yeah, or only do this if you're working at home. I don't exactly. suggest this if you're back at the office. Yeah, the office people are probably <laughs> going to look at you funny. Splashing your face with cold water, go into the bathroom, do that. That activates the vagus nerve. Gargling, we know chanting om, you know, meditating, diaphragmatic breathing, that stretches the vagus nerve. So these are ways we can change our state, right? So a lot of times we're fighting that stress. We're fighting those anxious thoughts and you want to acknowledge them and get them out through journaling or talking. But then we have ways to change our state in that moment because a lot of times you just have to function, right? You're like, I have an hour to get this presentation done. If I don't, then I'm not going to get it done. So practicing some of these techniques can really make a difference. And then my other favorite thing is getting out into nature. And you may have talked about this, I'm not sure on the podcast before, but forest bathing. And it doesn't have to be for long, right? It could be a few minutes in your backyard or in the park across the street. And you're using your five senses. Well, you're probably not going to taste anything because that might be a little bit hazardous, but you're <laughs> looking around and seeing the clouds and the trees. You're listening to the birds. You're listening to the wind. You're feeling the temperature on your skin. And what does it feel like if it's windy and you're just in that moment, right? So you're not going to taste but you're going to smell as well with what do the leaves smell like or the trees or the flowers. So these are some really great grounding exercises. And then some people need some extra support, right? So we get on this stress train. And even if we're not feeling the same original stress triggers, I know, you know, beginning of the pandemic was especially stressful. We're still in it, unfortunately. But some people have kind of settled. They're like, I feel less stressed out, but I'm still having these signs of stress where I can't sleep, where I can't focus, where I'm forgetful, where I'm getting sick a lot. And a sometimes that cortisol, the stress hormone that's released from the adrenal glands, it keep, keeps on being secreted, even though that original stressor has gone, because your body doesn't know how to get out of that stress cycle, right? So we need ways, whether it's some of the lifestyle changes we just spoke about, different herbs or supplements to help dampen down that stress response and act like a reset. You know, even acupuncture I do with patients is a great reset while I put on some guided meditation, but you may need that extra support. You might be doing all the things, but your body's still on this stress train. That's not going to stop. You need something to put the brakes on it. Such great tips. I love that. Thank you. And so practical too, right? It's something that you can do in a couple minutes in between meetings or before going to get the kids from school or whatever the case might be. It doesn't have to be, you know, the study you referenced had 30 minutes of practice, but it doesn't have to be that every day if you don't have it. And I think that was the biggest thing that I needed to overcome. I started some mindfulness work earlier on in the pandemic when I started to develop some not great mental health, and it was a game changer. I 
use the other tons of meditation apps, I got 10% because it had by, oh, I forget his name now. Dan Harris, right? 10% happier, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and it's it's got, it's very kind of light and, and easy and then you can go deeper if you want. So, and using apps like that to help with your practice, you know, it sends me reminders when I want to be doing it. And sometimes I listen, sometimes I don't, but it helps with, you know, the systemization that you talked about before. And I think we put toxins off on the side on a lot of these conversations. So I just want to remind people that when your body is in toxic overload, that's a form of stress as well. And so as you're chipping away at reducing toxins, you're also supporting this other work that you're doing. It's not, it's all of these aren't kind of siloed. They all work together between sleep and nutrition and and toxins. It is one of the key pillars, hence the name of this podcast. So all of the stuff that you're doing, it might seem like, oh, I need to add so many more layers on, but they really all just play, they play very nicely together. And so it's important to work on work on what you have gaps in at the moment. And again, like you said, you're not going to be doing everything 100% of the time, all the time. So pick something to work on. Maybe one week it's sleep. Maybe one week it's dusting. Maybe one week it's researching, replacing your makeup. Maybe one week it's working on getting outside and doing some forest bathing, or you're going to your naturopath to get some support for your internal body systems or for acupuncture like you can you can again make a plan maybe using one of the tools that we talked about if that's your jam (laughs) but you can you can map it out in a way that doesn't feel like you need to do it all at once exactly yeah consistency is key picking maybe a minute a day where you're focusing on your breath can be really beneficial and even there is something called email apnea which i didn't mention which is like slower slow breathing while you're on screens or computers because we're hunched over we're not aware we're not going to get enough oxygen to deliver to our brain for focus and productivity and energy so using an app like i breathe there's a bunch of apps that can put breathing reminders to pop up and and tell you to take a few deep breaths and check in with your body because that's going to be really key as well so using you can use technology you can simplify it but pick one thing and just be consistent it doesn't matter the length of time. It's just a practice, right? It's like if you did a minute of push-ups every day, you're far ahead of then doing nothing, right? So the more you do it, the stronger that muscle is going to become, the easier being mindful and in the moment is going to become. Totally. And then it'll just be like brushing your teeth or making your morning coffee. And I think those are the (laughs) kinds of things that we should be looking for. And the idea is that it is just part of our lifestyle. It's not this extra thing that's on your to-do list. It just becomes part of your daily routine and it will allow you to have more capacity to do what you want to do. For sure. And I'll bring it back just to the toxins too, because as I mentioned, we have the two arms of our nervous system, the sympathetic fight or flight or the parasympathetic rest and digest. If we're in the state of stress, in the state of anxiety, our body's looking for threats. It's not working internally to detox and clear out the toxins. It's not healing and repairing itself. So we want to be you know, more in that symp- or the parasympathetic nervous system. So our body is in its maximal state to heal, repair, get rid of those things in there that aren't supposed to be like in the sympathetic, our digestion shuts down. So things aren't going to move through properly, right? We're not going to eliminate through our liver and stools, et cetera. So we really want to support 
you know, reducing anxiety, working with stress and supporting that parasympathetic nervous system as much as possible. Thank you for that. Thank you so much, Lisa. This has been a great conversation. We covered a lot of different topics and and I think a lot of ground, but I hope you all found it helpful and relatable and that you'll walk away from this maybe adopting one new little lifestyle change to help support your brain and your nervous system as well. Lisa, where can people go to learn more and maybe even work with you if they want to? Yeah, so you could go to my website, www.drlisaweeks.com. That's drlisaweeks, like weeksanddays.com. You can follow me on Instagram at drlisaweeksnd. And if you go to my link tree there, my website, you can access the link to book a 15-minute free discovery call with me to see how I can help. And then I'm going to post like Banish Membrane Cheat Sheet on my website and in my link tree. So if you go to www.drlisaweeks.com slash Mumbrain, you'll get that cheat sheet on some of these tips we covered and some additional foods and things you can do to support your brain health. But forgive yourselves, you know, if you forget things, it's it's a part of life. We need to have ease and grace and recognize we now have a super brain, not a mom brain, if that has a negative connotation for you. I love it. I'm going to start calling it a super brain too. <laughs> and we will drop all of the links into the show notes. Speaking of forgetfulness, so you don't need to remember everything. <laughs> they will be there for you to go check out. Thank you so much. And I look forward to talking with you again sometime soon. Great. Thanks for having me, Emma. I really enjoyed chatting with you today. Thank you. Wait, before you go, I have a quick favor to ask. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and like what you've heard, please take a moment to hit subscribe and leave a five-star rating and a written review. You can do it right from the app. It takes just a sec and really helps me to be able to continue to share this important information with more people. Plus, you might just get a shout out on a future episode. Thanks so much and bye for now.